Welcome everybody to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. Welcome everybody. So I have my friends, Brandon Turner and Brittany Arneson here today with me in the office. And we've been having some amazing discussions. I think this is an amazing podcast. You guys are going to absolutely love it. So here it is. I want to tell you a story about, uh, I was addicted to peppermint hot chocolate. I love peppermint hot chocolate uh, from hot, from uh, Starbucks. They're amazing. If you haven't had it, you got to try it. So peppermint hot chocolates are, uh, every single dad have one every single day. And then one day, uh, I stopped and I never had another one again, other than Christmas once a year. And it wasn't hard. I stopped in a day from being addicted. It was a habit. I had to do it every single day and it would be weird not to, to no longer drinking it anymore. I'll tell you what happened. My so for years, my dad, he still does, he drinks a can of Coke or two every single day. Coca-Cola, and I make fun of that a little bit. I kind of tease him, like, oh, more Coke. Oh, gotta get dad his Coke, gotta get dad his Coca-Cola. And, I, and in my head, I'm thinking, that's so much sugar in that Coke. I can't believe he's drinking Coke every day, <laughs> right? And it was like, I, in my head, I did not like that idea of that identity, yeah. right? And uh, then one day, I looked at the sugar content of a peppermint hot chocolate, and I realized it was more than two Coca-Colas. <gasps> and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. I'm my dad. Yeah. And that day, I never wanted another peppermint hot chocolate. So a lot of times we like we try so hard to like not do the, the action that we, we don't want to do or to do the action that we know we should do because we're we're trying to do the surface change, like the action, when in reality, like if we can change the identity that creates the action, then you can change overnight. Like you literally can steal someone else's identity or a new identity. You can take that for yourself. So like... And I don't know how to do it. I'm not great at it, right? Yeah. But there's, I mean, there's things I've been addicted to. I'm cappuccinos right now. I, I have to have a latte or cappuccino every single day. Now that's not too detrimental to my health, but uh, if I want to change that, I can like just, you know, white knuckle it and just try to do it, or I can try to change my identity. I am not someone who drinks a cappuccino every day. You know, that's interesting because after I wrote the book on storage, I was still doing insurance sales, yeah. so I was still going out. I was still running the firm and everything else and after I wrote the book on storage everybody started going you're the storage guy mm -hmm. right Redemption. and I think exactly and then I couldn't do insurance yeah <laughs> yeah I was like yeah. I'm not gonna go this I can't I, yeah. it was cold turkey like I'm like I'm just not gonna do this anymore at all and I it my identity shifted I'm not that I'm not that guy anymore yeah. I'm this guy yeah and I had no desire at yep. all whatsoever to do anything with it again yeah. And it was just that, nope, you're not that guy, you're the storage guy. Yeah. And sometimes I think it does take being around people yeah. that are di have different identities. Yeah. Yes. Because for me, I was trapped in single family DIY working yeah. so hard. And until the Maui Mastermind 2019 that we were all at, I had that identity. And then I met other people doing bigger, better things. And then I'm like, I really need to shift this. And it took a while. But that's where that idea came around. So how does one change their identity? I don't know. Like, I'm thinking about that. Like, yeah. That's how I would like label speech, right? If I was going to give a speech, I'd think, okay, let's think of a process. And maybe we'll brainstorm it together. There's like, number one, identify the identity you want to be, maybe. Mm -hmm. Or is it identify I, the identity you don't want? I don't, or is yeah. it the outcome? You want, yeah, what outcome do you want? Yeah. True. Okay. Like, I want the outcome because of being healthy. Your, or skinny. the outcome Not. of drinking, yes. right, that. Yeah. You 
correlated that yes. to your dad. Yeah, I don't you want said, to be the help of my father. To be, exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I want to be better. So that's how you pull. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So you start with the outcome that you want. Does the current identity you have give you the outcome you want? Right. If the answer is yes, then okay, what's the problem? But if the answer is no, so I want to be in shape. I want to be a multifamily investor. So you identify the outcome, then you identify what is the problem identity then? So what's yeah. what identity you have, right? And then who, I like this way, who has the identity, Yeah. right? So I think Gabe, Gabriel Hamill, right? Yeah. Gabe has the identity of a super healthy person. Yes. If I could identify one person, I want to steal Gabe's identity. Yes. The great thing about identity theft though is you don't have to steal it from, you know, just cause I take his identity, I don't have, he doesn't lose his, right? Yes. Identities multiply. So I can take his identity, but how to do that? It's obviously harder than, harder done than said. Mm-hmm. Well, right. that actually makes sense because now that I think about it, the identity and the whole purpose of the book was to say how I I worked for clients mm-hmm. selling insurance, but real estate made it so I didn't have to do that anymore because I did self storage. Yeah. And then once I became a self storage guy, I was like, that's the outcome. I yeah. don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. And that's what it was like. What am I doing? Yeah. So how do you adopt that identity? I want to be financially free or traveling yeah. or that's the outcome. How how do you become yeah. that identity? Yeah. Looking at their lifestyle and their daily yeah. habits. Yeah, I think habits make identity. Yeah. But also identity makes habits, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a a loop. But too, like you mentioned earlier, you couldn't force it you didn't so you didn't force yourself to do it. It wasn't yeah. until your identity mm-hmm. shifted. Yes. Then, then it was, you didn't even think about it. Yeah. It was just, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. Whereas before it would have been like, okay, I'm going to write my goals down. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to stop. I'm only going to drink hot cocoa, you know, yeah. once a week or yeah. so. And you'd have to force yourself into it. Mm-hmm. But when you shifted your identity, those yeah. habits and things, you didn't need to force. Yeah. It just occurred naturally. So uh, there's a book out there by Chip and Dan Heath. Uh, it's not the power of moments, so that's a really good one. There's another one. I think it's change. I think it's called change. Um, how people like make decisions, and they talk in there how like we uh, make decisions based on emotion, and they have to be oftentimes showcased. Which is why, like in a in a store, like stories appeal to us more than just logic, right? Yes. Or if you're a, doing a fundraiser for kids in Africa, it's like it's not like there are 455,000 kids in Africa, yeah. right? It's this is Jeremiah, right? Or I don't know what the name yes. is. Like he is starving. Yes. Like, right. So. Exactly. Taking that concept, I was like, my wife would drink. It's similar to the Starbucks story. She was drinking a pepper, not pepper, she was drinking the chai latte every day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a lot of sugar. And I was like, Heather, you know, it's like whatever, 40 grams of sugar. And she's like, oh yeah, it's really terrible for me. And then the next day, chai latte. And uh, so then I was like, how do I change? How do I help mm-hmm. her change her identity? So I, I took this from this book, uh, the book from Chip and Dan Heath, where I figured out how much sugar actually is in a like 40 grams of sugar and it was I don't know what a half a cup or something like that so then she was sitting on the couch one day and I took a half a cup of sugar in a cup and I took a clear glass and I was like Heather watch this and I poured it and it just, it was, it just filled up and I was like just want you to know every day that's how much sugar I just kind of sloshed it around uh, in this cup and she stopped drinking that much I mean uh, chives right after that and she was done so I, like I it was it needed some like Again, not facts. It needed the emotion, the grossness yes. of thinking like, oh, that's all. Oh, I could never eat that much sugar. Yeah. But you are eating but that you much are. sugar. Yeah, yeah, you are. So I had to make it like real. Mm-hmm. And that shifted her identity from someone who gets a, a chai every day to somebody who gets a chai on a treat mm-hmm. uh, occasionally. So it's, a, it's interesting. Yeah. How can, you, how can you emotionally pull yourself to a different identity? Mm-hmm. 
it's like I, I think you know as being a father there there's a point where you go and you're like I am no longer the things of the past like mm-hmm. I'm in go- going to embrace this I'm a father that's who I am I do my corny jokes yeah. right I'm not trying yeah. to be somebody I'm not it's all about them and I feel like you can see the shift yeah. mm-hmm. in people yep. it, and people notice it's like you know you go become a dad and you see all those memes and stuff where and like videos where they become their father and so then they yeah, 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 tuck yeah, in yeah. shorts and yeah. their long socks new balance, shoes, right? yeah. new balance yeah. shoes right and I think that's kind of what you're talking like yeah. they embrace it and they accept it mm-hmm. almost like regardless of the cost I love my hot cocoa and I really want it I really want the sugar right mm-hmm. but then they embraced it and so I'm okay giving it up. Yeah. And you're right, that's an emotional shift though. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's it's just something I think that happens yeah. not naturally. Like mm-hmm. you, people need to make the decision to be good father, yeah. but it really happens when you see your kids and you're playing with your kids and you're just like, "Yep, this is way more important to me yeah. than any of that other stuff is." Yeah. And so, I'm going to embrace all the stuff that comes yeah. along with it. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's when it changes. I know you've talked about this before, but desire versus commitment. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you could desire to be have the healthy, yeah. fit lifestyle, yeah. but until something like that shifts it, that and you're committed, yeah. it'll stay in desire forever, and you'll just say yeah. forever that I want to be fit, healthy, and all this. Yeah, how many times have you met a kid, or like, you know, I say kid, like a 20-year-old, whatever, party animal, like crazy, whatever, and then they have a baby. And they like, all of a sudden they grow up 20 years overnight. Yes. Like they're, cause their identity is now, yeah, they're now a father, mm-hmm. right? So here's a question for you. Like as you got a lot of kids yeah. and you've been in this longer than I have. Like, let's say one of your kids starts developing an identity that is not healthy, right? What I mean by that is like, they're like, ne- like negative, right? Like, oh, I do everything. I'm so stupid. I do everything wrong. Yeah. How do you as a father help them with that? Cause I think that thinking that way of helping somebody else might help us figure out how we can change our own identity. So what would you do if one of your kids was like, I'm, they just kept saying, I'm stupid, I can't learn, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I mean, I guess I, I would think that you would disconnect the result mm. with the source. Mm. You failed a test doesn't mean that you're stupid. Yeah. Right? Yep. The, so you're saying that the outcome of whatever an event was is changing the core being of who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to say, well, do you think I'm stupid? And they're like, no, you're like really smart. Like, well, I fail tests all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just see it in their eyes. Like, Wait, what? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right? And then it kind of became a really like, We spell b- better than dad does. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you do, because I'm dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Right? And do you think I'm stupid? No. Then how, then what are you? And then you can just see that yeah. mind shift. Yeah, where really good, the, yeah. the outcome of an event isn't predicated on your identity yeah that that's not true like you know if gabriel ate a cookie that doesn't mean he doesn't live a healthy lifestyle and because i say no to that cookie doesn't mean that i have a healthy (laughs) lifestyle right like that's not that one event isn't correlated and i think with kids and us so often single point events then we internalize as if that is our identity and that's not how it works. That's just not how it works, right? Um, you can be really good at a lot of things and still mess up on a lot of things. It, because you're bad at some things, it doesn't take away what you're good at. But I think it's really hard for everyone, me, everybody, to really internalize, or to not, excuse me, internalize those things to take 
on the identity. I, I think failure is way more impactful than successes. I feel like too often we rationalize or justify. Like, I do. Like I have a really hard time sometimes taking on successes that are my own because I'm like they are, but I'm just me, right? I'm not this huge successful guy or anything else like that. I, I'm just me. I'm the dyslexic kid that's you know ADHD that has problems or whatever those things may be. So then all of a sudden I'm telling internally my identity can't be that even though I do that I achieve yeah. those things and I'm I am good at those things because some other events right. And I think separating that out with kids is really important so they understand that yeah. you aren't outcomes, particularly single point outcomes. It's yeah. really hard. No, but I, lo I love that you, I love that. I never really thought about it before, but you, you change the meaning mm -hmm. of what the result is. It's like you change the equation, right? So in their mind, it's A plus B equals C, like mm -hmm. failing a test plus me equals like a, a failure, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So it's really changed the equation that like A plus B doesn't like you fail a test and you doesn't mean you equals lose yes. like you are a loser, doesn't right? Mean you're dumb. So you change the underlying thing there. So I wonder how do we apply that to our own self? If if our own identity is, you know, like I right now I will always grab that cookie when I see it. Mm -hmm. That's part of my identity is if it's free food. I've been working with my coach on this. If it's free, I'm I mean, eating it. Yeah, yeah, right? If it's in front of me, I'm eating. Right? Yeah. So yeah. how do you like? So like my coach will ask me that sometimes. Like, well, well why why do you feel the need like? Why is your identity one that if it's free, you must take that food? And so changing that, like, is there a way for us to alter that? Like, free doesn't mean eat. Eat. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, if that doesn't mean that, oh, I'm just because it's there, I don't need to eat it. That's shifting the identity, maybe. Yeah. And that's a scarcity mentality. Yeah. I think I yeah. grew up. I honestly, because I was yeah. traveling, and during that time when I was traveling and backpacking around yeah. the world, I was sick saving money yeah. and even in high school I, I had this idea I want to buy real estate and need to save every single penny yeah. and that grew up from my childhood as well we kind of grew up that way yeah. it was save everything and then when there's free food you, you eat, it, eat it and then you pack some for later because even at these yeah. hostels I was staying at they had free breakfast till Ooh. 11 a.m. Yeah. So I would like yeah, eat breakfast, eat breakfast yeah, early, yeah. <laughs> eat lunch at 11 a.m., which was also breakfast, and then have yeah. some pieces of toast in my purse for later for supper. And then yeah. I'd have free food all day. But I still have that feeling uh -huh. where there's free food. I got to eat it. I yeah, have which, to eat it. Yeah. Which brings up a really interesting point is our identities are usually, are most likely formed in our childhood. I think it's yes. true. Right? In our teenage years and our childhood. So the question that we, we need to ask ourselves and ask anybody watching this video, right, is what identity did you adopt as a child that you need to let go? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you need to let go of right now to get to the next level of who you were meant to be? And if we can, like, really spend some time thinking about that and journaling, like, that's step one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what identity have I internalized? Yeah. Well, I do eat food. Because identity is choice. Yeah, mm -hmm. identity is a choice. I mean, we have things that happen to us that create our identity, mm -hmm. but it's because we're letting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can change all sorts of things in your life. Yeah. And... It, it's funny because when I'm sure you see, you look at your kids and it's just like like awe-inspiring like you yeah. are amazing you can do anything yeah. like it's just like the potential and all the good and everything else right but yet we don't reverse we, we don't do that to ourselves right we so, see failure yeah mm -hmm. and it's that becomes our focus and then that starts to in turn also shape our identities yeah. and I see that a lot especially as my kids are turning into teenagers the failures tend to shape that identity because they're trying to avoid not mm -hmm. go after certain things yeah. so avoidance 
takes front row as a as opposed to chasing it. And when you want something really bad, that's when you start like even podcasting or writing books or anything else. You got to put yourself out there and you're going to say a lot of stupid stuff. Yeah. It's just how it goes. There's going to be people that are not going to like you. They're going to make fun of you or anything else. But all of a sudden, I'm like, I want to raise capital for this deal. And I want that deal more than I care about a few people online. So yep. go for it. You can think that I'm stupid. You can not like the way that I talk, whatever that may be. But I'm a real estate investor. That's my identity. I'm moving forward regardless of that. My yeah. desire is way outweighing that worry or that fear that makes you run away. Yeah. And I think that's a big, big part of it. You got to really have that aligned to where you can accept those things and say, it's just part of it and I'm going to continue even with it. Yeah, That's well, hard. I think proximity is super important too because if I'm in proximity with people who are doing a certain thing, like for example, my yes. mom and it was okay, you do all of your own work. I grew up, you do change your own oil. You yes. do all of your own renovation work. You do all your own bookkeeping because you save money that way. And that's what I grew up with and that's who I yep. became. And until I was in proximity with you guys and seeing you, and not just listening to the podcast because you know that's helpful and that plants some seeds and gives some ideas, but until I was actually in proximity and everyone can do this because you can go to the events and go to different things or you know health and fitness events if you want to do that or real estate investing leadership events things like that and get around people yeah. who are building teams and doing bigger things because yeah. once you're in that proximity you really start to get that identity yeah. shift and realize that you can do it too yeah. and then it becomes more desirable yeah and then, and then, then like, you have an easier time mm -hmm. and that was my experience with yeah. it because that's when I really started to see actual changes I, I, I agree with that. If you want to be a healthy person, you got to hang around healthy people. Yeah. And so if you want to work out every day, right, doing it alone is way harder than if you are in a group or a culture of people that work out every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a normal part of life. And it, it's funny because when, when, I, when I started, I sold insurance, right? And so I was dealing with um, the business owners that had their employees. And one of the things that I learned really early on, because I was worried about not being smart or being dumb from school that scarred me, right? Because I didn't fit in and everything else like that. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm with these business owners. Like, you're not that smart, yet you're very successful. And that was extraordinarily beneficial to me mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times I have, or anybody has in their head that that identity that you're trying to adopt you can't be because you put those identity on a pedestal mm -hmm. you, you you think that there's somebody that they're not yes. mm -hmm. right and you think that it's like you make up in your mind that these people are incredible or smart i know i did that I yeah, they're too. a business owner they they probably straight gpas <laughs> they you know all this stuff and they must they must have superhuman abilities, which I, I don't possess, right? Because yeah. I, I see my failures all day long. And it's fine because all human. of us feel that about you. I put, yeah. you, I put both <laughs> of you on such a pedestal. I was so nervous to meet both That's of you funny. at that event. I was crying the night before. <laughs> I'm like, I can't meet them. It's too embarrassing. I'm never going to be able to live up to the expectations. <laughs> then she met and then she met us and she was like, I need to go in a different I need to be with other people. This is not. I'm so far ahead.
That's funny. All right, so that, then let me let me shift this conversation a little bit. Uh, one thing you mentioned was, you know, you mentioned doing the thing anyway because you want to raise money. So I'm gonna forget people online and make fun of me. I'm gonna do the thing anyway. Yeah. So in other words, like sometimes with identity shift, it happens right away. Like with the you know Starbucks for me happened right away. But sometimes I think it literally is. You just say that is the kind of person I want to be, mm-hmm. and I there are things that I have to do on a regular basis that will get me the result that I want. I just need to do those things, right? Like whether you want to, whether you feel like it, whether or not. Like if I want to be a writer, mm-hmm. like I was not a writer, I was not identity of a writer, right? But then I was like, all right, and I read the, that book, uh, The War of Art, from mm-hmm. Stephen Pressfield, yep. right? And he's like. Yeah, it's a good thing, you know, like, yeah, I, I only write when I'm inspired. Good thing that inspiration strikes every morning at 9 a.m. on the keyboard, right? Yes. Like, it's like, <laughs> so I just showed up every day and I wrote a thousand words a day. And I just wrote a thousand words a day, a thousand words a day, a thousand words a day. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I had a book. And I was like, all, and by doing that, after a hundred days of writing a thousand words a day, mm-hmm. guess what? I had the identity shift of mm-hmm. an author. I'm now, I'm a writer. That's one of my things I say when people say, what do you do? I'm a writer. Because uh, that's my identity. I had to, it didn't happen overnight, but it happened over time by doing the right mm-hmm. things. So here's the thought I, I, I want to throw at you for the discussion. There are, like, I'm lazy. I mean, it's an identity thing, but I know I'm just generally a lazy person. I do not, like, if I, I lie to myself or I say, I'm going to go work out and then I don't do it, right? So I'm going to go analyze a deal and I don't do it. And because of that, because I don't do the boring things that have to be done, I don't get the results that the boring things produce. Yeah. And I've learned that about myself. Some people are just freaks of nature. They're just like, I'm gonna work out every day. And they go work out and they're like, I'm gonna go do that. I just not that way, right? So I'm wondering, in your guys' life, how do you actually, how do you keep yourself accountable or going on the boring things that you know you have to do uh, in business and in life to, to get the results that you want? Do you guys have any tricks, hacks, whatever? to get the things done? That's a great question. <laughs> um, so I do, but it's, um, I don't, if it's up to me, like, so working's easy for me. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a family where, you know, they're farmers and like, literally they sit around and you one up the other one by how much you work. <laughs> like it's like, yeah. who cares about physical appearance, right? Yeah, no, but I worked. 15 hours yesterday. Yeah, I like, yeah, yeah, Exactly. 25. And then it's like, oh, yeah. man. Yep. And then they, like, I got to go. I got to go work, right? Yeah. And so that was just something that was like, you work before you eat. You work before you do anything. So working was is really easy to me. But there's a lot of things that aren't. And I found that if I want to go out and do them, like working out, right, or something, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. It, it's just not going to do it. Now, if somebody else, though, Yep. says, AJ, yes. let's go. We're going to work out. Yep. It becomes very hard for me yes. to mm-hmm. say, no, I know I should be doing this. Yep. You're holding it to me. Yep. And for me, it's way easier to turn myself down. It is a lot harder to turn other people down yes. that are expecting mm-hmm. anything yes. out of me. So I surround myself with people on that. Like, I don't want to work out. So I don't surround myself with anybody that's going to hold me accountable. Yeah. I'm like, nope, nope, not going there, not going there, because I know that I'm going to go do it right. So I, um, but whether it's any of those other things, whether it's writing, I literally like hire people in areas that I'm not good at, and I say, you need to hold me accountable. And then because of that, I'll end up doing those things. So it's not, I, I, when I guess the answer to the question is, it's not so much what I do, yeah. it's I put things in place 
it's not about me yes. anymore. And then I keep doing it. Yeah, the way I, I what I call it, because I, I was going to say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I obligate myself yes. to do the thing I want to do. Because yeah. I am, I make, like, I will always, if I'm obligated to do it, I'll do it. Yes. Right? I tell someone I'm going to speak, I'm going to show up yep. and speak. I don't want to at the time. But so I, when I'm in a positive mood, like, oh, I should work out more. I will find a way to obligate myself. I hire Jerry, right, to yeah. come over and come to my garage and work out with me. Or like, I know that I need to have like thinking time every week. I need an hour or two just to think. We all need, I mean, everybody should have, if you're an entrepreneur or business owner, an hour minimum every week to do nothing with no phone, think. I didn't do it week after week after week, month after month, I didn't do it. So I was like, how do I obligate myself to this? Well, what if I hired somebody to come to my house and make me think? Well, that's weird, I can't do that. But I could get somebody in my house to give me an hour and a half long massage every Tuesday at 10 a.m. That's what I do now. Yeah. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m., Adriana comes over. She's on my front porch. Yep. I have no choice. Yeah. I'm going to go get yes. a massage. And I want to get the massage. It feels good. But now I have obligated myself to the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's one. That's a huge I agree. piece. Yeah. I think hiring too. Yes. Get somebody just... else to do the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just yeah, yeah, getting someone else to that's do it. Thing. Or you have these desires and these things that you want to do for so long, years mm-hmm. and years and years. Okay. We're just going to hire someone to do it. Yeah. Like you said, it's just, that's been a huge change for me. Yeah. But it took so long to get there and then reading who not how and doing mm-hmm. all those things and being in proximity with people with teams yes. then you're responsible for other people too so yeah. it's like okay well i don't feel like working today well you have to you yeah. have to pay your people like you have to actually get something that, done that's exactly because entrepreneurs we are really we're not wired to do the boring stuff every single day mm-hmm. yeah it's not wired that way no. right but you know who is wired that way or at least they they do it anyway employees Yes. Like that's, and we're all, yeah. we've all been employed, so it's not yes. a negative thing. No, it's no. just like, well, uh, they like, yeah. a lot of people, they're like, no, I need structure. Yeah. Yeah. I need it. Where structure yeah. kills me. Yeah, tell me where to go, and I will march that direction every day for the next six months. Great. I Great. love you. Yes, thank you. You're going to make it, like, everybody, so, and they're usually, like, a lot of times, if they're in the right role, they love, like, they're yes. happy, because that's their, like, soul. Yeah. Like, they want to do it. Yeah. So I mean, knowing like, what, yeah, knowing what you like and like I guess it's the idea of even in entrepreneurship don't go into entrepreneurship right with uh, just a bunch of friends yeah. right? mm-hmm. no you need to have people or like my uh, one of my partners or three partners one of my friends my brother-in-law Sam polar opposites yep mm-hmm. like I for our event coming up I didn't even ask him because I'm like I don't want him to throw something at me right he's <laughs> like I don't want to be around lots of people yeah mm-hmm. like I want to be in my office on spreadsheets yep. and sending work. emails and talking right or not talking with people but yep. doing logistics stuff like that that's awesome yep and I'm totally yeah. the opposite God bless them <laughs> yes 100% yes. yeah and it works out great and he holds me accountable yeah mm-hmm. says AJ you got to do this stuff and if he does I'm going to do it yeah and vice versa there yep. too I'm like hey you got to come on a podcast with me right yeah. and he's like fine I'll do it right but having those opposites really helps draw more into a middle mm-hmm. to actually get moving and achieving things because if you're if you're too extreme on either level, nothing ever happens, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's just like you need the other part to balance out, but it doesn't necessarily have to be you. Yeah. So I think that there's this middle ground of accepting your strengths and accepting some weaknesses that, like, for spelling. I'm not trying to get better at spelling. Yeah. I did that for, like, <laughs> 25 years, right? Yeah. My brain doesn't work that way. It's ridiculous for me to try. Yeah. I literally can't read the sentence right. So, uh, or when I write it down, I think I'm writing something I'm not. That would be silly for me to spend mass amounts of time trying to enhance that or get better at that. So, I have other people 
help me and they will either check or write emails, right? And they'll help me with that that line. When I wrote a book because you told me to. Yes. So you're like, no, you need to write a book, AJ. And I'm like, yeah, I will. Yes. And then I was like, oh, Please. I just told Brandon Turner that I'm going to write a book. And I'm a dyslexic guy. So then I literally had to go and hire someone yep. to come in and say, I need you to write what I'm going to tell you to yep. do. And I'm like, I have all this stuff, but yep. nobody's going to be able to read it because yep. it doesn't make sense. Like, help me out. So then I had to go out and hire somebody to hold me accountable yeah. to actually put the words down, to yeah. actually make it right. But I wanted to write a book, but I was never going to unless I had you yeah. holding me to it. And then I had somebody else that would come in and hold me accountable and help me along the way. Yeah. So it's kind of a mix. Yep, I agree. Right? I'm not trying to become a better writer. Like, I'm not trying to become a better, mm. like, able to spell better or anything else. But I want to do the thing, so yeah. I put things in place to achieve it. Yeah, I really like that a lot. You know, there's two questions I think if everybody asks themselves this question, like every entrepreneur asks this question, uh, and it's specifically for people who are feeling stuck, like I've been, you know, I've been trying to get into real estate forever, I just can't do it, right? I hear that all the time, I'm sure you too. So the question I've been posing to everybody lately is, and I have a funny story with this, I'll tell in a second, it's totally inappropriate, but I love it. Uh, <laughs> the first question is, what could you, if, what, if you did it every single day for the next six months straight, you would be shocked you didn't get the results you want. Right, like now they're not going to do it, but if hypothetically Good. every day you did it, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you want to write a book. You've been saying you want to write forever. Okay, what's the thing if you did it every single day? Right, right. thousand words, <laughs> yeah. right? Five hundred words. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, what about like you want to buy your first duplex? What's the thing you could do every single day that if you did it for six months straight, every single day for six months you'd get the result? What analyze a deal, maybe? Yeah, look at an offer. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Yep. If you did it every day, so that's the first question. The second question, who's going to do it for you? Because if you, because again, we're not built yeah. to do it, but mm -hmm. we can identify the thing. That's what entrepreneurs are good at. We identify yeah. the process, yeah. and then who's going to do the process. Mm -hmm. And if you ask those two questions, so I asked somebody this at the pool the other day, like two days ago, I was sitting in a pool, and I asked somebody, uh, Nate Robbins. I said, I said, first question, what if you did every single day for six months would get you the goal that you want? And the guy like ten feet over at another thing goes sex, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like. And question number two. Question number two. Who's going to do it for you? <laughs> anyway, great moment. But I like that question. So, okay. So let's summarize real quick. And, and, and I'll, let me, I think I have one more. So you said the number one, you obligate yourself to, to use my phrase. But yeah, you obligate yourself into it so that you have to do it. It's an obligation. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll actually do it. Uh, then you said hiring, right? Getting somebody else to do it for you. You'll actually get it done. And then you mentioned accountability. I think is the third thing. You have another person who's going to hold you accountable, yeah. which is huge. One more fourth thing that I would say works really well, but I would put it fourth on those that list, which is tracking or game gamification, yes. right? Yeah, I will. I I can play a game with myself. Like I do it all the time. I write like this. Like, okay, I'm gonna work out five times this week. I'm going to go on two dates with my wife. I'm going to uh, wake up before 6 a.m. every day, and I'm gonna do this. And then I add up my score. Like at the end of the week, mm -hmm. then if I do all this, I should have a score of 20. Then I just every morning I just check. Did I do it yesterday? Did I do that thing? Whatever it is. At the end of the week, I have a score. So at least the tracking is the fourth way. It's the least effective of those four, in my opinion, but it still works. I'm still better than if I wasn't doing it. If I can't get accountability for some reason, if I can't get somebody else to do the job for me, uh, if I can't get, you know, I can't hire it out, whatever, I, that works for me. You guys do tracking at all, journaling, that kind of yeah. stuff? Yeah, I do. And I'm not good at it. So we actually have a person we hire on full time to help us build out our yeah. system yep. mm -hmm. for tracking yeah 
So I was yeah. doing it. I don't know if I was doing a good job, and we knew it was so important. Yeah, we did that and too. we have to track the same things. Yeah. We have to be looking at it, measuring it. So we got somebody else to help Yeah, we us. hired a consultant for that. Yeah. They came in and they organized us. We use the EOS system, but there's yeah. lots of ways. But we like EOS from the book Traction. And yeah, now we are perfectly tracking every, I mean, every you person. You EOS too, right, Britt? Yeah. yeah. We yeah. just had an EOS day as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah. we're doing all that implementation. Yeah. And I think one thing too is how do people get over that hump of hiring? Because I had this problem mm. for years because yeah. I'm like, yeah, it would be nice, you know, if yeah. I could hire a personal assistant and all these things and all these people to help me get towards my goals, which eventually it was desperation yeah. because I had so much going on and I was so overwhelmed at a certain point in my career that I couldn't handle it. So how did you do it? Well, it was actually my best friend who I've known since I was 13 years old and she knew how desperate I was in these moments and she's like, you know what? And she was getting into real estate. She just got laid off because it was COVID. She was a flight attendant. So she came to work for me and then that's how that happened. It was almost like an accident. Yeah. And then once I hired her, I'm like, okay, this isn't so yeah. bad. And then when I was in Maui, I actually hired Drew to come along oh, who yeah. used to be your assistant and then yeah. he was helping me out for a short stole time. Him. That's right. <laughs> just for he wanted to help. <laughs> so it's like these accidents that kept happening. Yes. And then I started to grow and build my team. Mm -hmm. And now I have a team of six people who work for me. Yeah. And it kind of just snowballed a little bit. But it was like almost accidents that caused that to happen. And then proximity to other people who are building teams. But I think it's really difficult to get to that point of hiring the first one yeah. or the set. Because there's, I think it's a scarcity mindset thing yeah. too, or just like this identity, like yeah. I'm not a leader, yes. I'm not a, yes. that was mine too. Yep. I never thought I'd be a leader. Yep. I never thought I would yep. have a team. And yep. now look where I am. I think Tim Ferriss said it in the 4-Hour Work Week, and it maybe was another book, but I think it was that one, where he said, every single person, if you have any control over your work, so entrepreneur, entrepreneur, whatever, should hire a virtual assistant overseas, mm -hmm. even if you have them do nothing. Even if you're just like, <laughs> like I don't know, try to do this for me today, because it shifts your identity. You yeah. are now a leader, mm -hmm. um, and so you're if like, you, this isn't yeah, so bad. yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, this isn't so bad. Yeah. If it's three hundred bucks a month for a part-time assistant, who cares? Mm -hmm. You become a leader by by doing well, that. Well, in and two, you have to figure it out. So one of the things that I like doing, and I've always done. I, mean, I think this is kind of true to probably lots of entrepreneurs. Like, I may not know how to do it, but we're going to figure it out. It may be messy. So I know, though, if I execute, like if I go, nope, I'm doing it, mm -hmm. then I just, you got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So like things that I really want, we're going to move forward. We're going to, you're going to hire that person because you have to, right? And then you start to figure it out. Then it becomes easier and easier as you go. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to start a business. Well, let's get moving and let's just do it. Let's not spend all this time trying to, you know, like figure out all the details and like plan everything else. And I actually don't like businesses like that. Like if I see a demand, let's build something to fill the demand. And if that, and if we can't fill that demand, that means the demand's not really there. So it's a good thing we didn't spend a lot of time yeah, and resources yeah. on it. Let's end it and go on to the next thing. Yeah. And what I find is we get feedback directly in real time as we're building. So the long-term outcome is much, much better than if we would have built something, yes. took it to market, it's now not working, and we have to reconfigure yep. to meet the market what we already built. Yes, I'm gonna build while I'm moving forward. And I feel like a lot of people don't do that. Yep. They try to figure it out, then do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I, I, that's yep. not how it works. Yep. 
you've got to go and you've got to build and figure it out as you're moving forward. Because as you move forward, you're going to you're going to encounter things that you would have never known behind. So how yeah. could you have ever built it? Mm-hmm. You, you can adjust your plans in real time and move and be effective. Now, a lot of people have a hard time with that because, first of all, it's hard. Mm-hmm. You're getting lots of things coming at you that you don't know. And then you have to fill and take care of it immediately. And then people feel like, you know, we should have been prepared, right? We should have done that. You know, you would have never known though that that was coming. Yeah. And that really helps me because it's just like move. Mm-hmm. We'll figure out. We can get other people. We can help them. And I think what he's talking about in that is you do it, and then you feel that comfort. And then also, like I don't know how to hire an employee. Of course you don't. You haven't. How do you How do you figure it out? You hire them, and then you two work together. Well, you can do this. You can't do this. Yep. Which seat on the bus should you be on? Yep. And then all of a sudden you're going, oh, I'm figuring out next time you hired somebody, you're probably a lot better. And yep. then the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth time. So then people look at you and say, okay, you have a team of six and you're going to talk about how you hired the sixth person. Mm-hmm. You never talk about how I hired the first person because it's like, I didn't really know what I was doing, right? So you're like, have you heard so, my story, by the way, my first assistant? No, but now I'm really excited. Okay, this is a great <laughs> yeah, story. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think you probably heard the last like, two now. weeks. All right, so <laughs> this is uh, I hired this. I have this woman, amazing woman. I, I love her to death. Oh, I know this. Woman. Yeah, she. Uh, <laughs> so I decided finally, I'm going to hire an assistant uh, to handle all my emails and maybe edit some videos yes. for me and just do all the stuff that I needed for Bigger Pockets World and digital world. And I'm like, I'm going to hire an assistant. So I put on my Facebook. I'm looking for an assistant, and a woman that I knew applied, and uh, I was like, Oh, I love this lady. She's awesome. Uh, I've known her for years and she'd be perfect, perfect for an assistant. So I hire her, I rented an office, I bought her a big like Mac computer, you know, like the iMac computer. Yeah. I set her up with it and I, I take her to the office the first day. I'm like, okay, let me uh, kind of walk you through some of the workflows that I do. So go to your desktop uh, and she goes, what, what's a desktop? And I was like, oh, oh no. no, what did I do? And I'm like, grab, grab the mouse and move it onto your screen and like, Thankfully, she didn't say, what's a mouse? But that's basically, I realized she had never used a computer before. Oh. And I just hired her to work as my digital assistant. Doing like, emails, doing, emails, doing everything, everything else. I was like, oh, oh no. Yes. Now, that was, I learned a lot. She actually, we shifted her role. She ended up doing some other stuff really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but next, but to your point, I didn't hire very well. The next time I hired a little better. Still not very good. Yeah. The next time, a little better. Still not very good. And I hired 60 some people, and I think we're getting pretty good at it at this <laughs> yep. point. Yep. Uh, so, like, I got hired, but that first one, but I could not have got to mm-hmm. the 60th person without the digital. Lady. Yes, 100%. And people don't realize that. Well, and something I want to point out, too, because I almost forgot about this, and I definitely should mention in the book Who Not How. Um, Dan Sullivan, who's the author, said he hired someone to hire his people. Yeah, yes. And that's what I did as well, which I forgot about. But Nourish and Sew is the company that I hired to get my organizational chart, to fill the holes, to figure all of that out. And they hire everybody. So I hired Ginger, kind of, sort of. She started to work with me, and I didn't really know what was going on, but she helped so much. But until I hired the people to hire my people, that's when it really... It was easy. Technically, <laughs> Murdoch ended up right when we built Open Door Capital. Yeah. Asked Ryan Murdoch to build it, basically. And he hired everybody else. Like, he yeah. ran the internships yeah. and all so that. True. Yeah. Yeah. It, now I, you know, I'll hire key people. Key people, yeah. But other than that, I mean, yeah. Well, yes, I, I couldn't. We have, we've got, yeah, whatever, 100 million. plus people. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I, I, like, I don't know even how. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, the vast majority of our people, right, I'll, I'll probably never meet yeah. because mm-hmm. logistically I can't. It yeah. doesn't even Same. work that yeah. way. So, um, 
And those are things like you're talking about, you got to get comfortable not doing. Yeah. yeah. And anytime you hit a roadblock, there's a way and someone else to hire. Yes. If you don't know how to do something, someone knows how to do it. There's someone out there that knows how to do it. So you just have to find it. All right. So to finalize this conversation, why don't you each take a tip? You know how I took over the podcast here? I took my role. I'm stepping into my identity here. So to to finalize this, what's your best tip for hiring uh, when you have no money? Mm. That's a major problem. A lot of people are watching this right now going, yeah, this all sounds wonderful, guys. Mm -hmm. I don't have the money to hire an employee. Incentive-based hiring. Mm -hmm. So outline the things that need to be done that have a direct correlation with revenue and then pay upon achievement. Yeah. So, okay, we're gonna, I get, like, I need to close on a deal, right? And once we close on that deal, we have the money come in. Yeah. So I'll hire you because you can do those activities and then pay upon capital coming in. Mm-hmm. Hire them first. Now all of a sudden, like, I guess for me though, too, I'm everything, I'm like revenue first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So, they go out, they're bringing money in because they did that. That pays for them. And it also gives me capital to hire somebody else Next, to do something yep. else. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I hire that or then I go, oh, that's great. I'm going to have another person come in to do that. Right. But revenue first. So core, uh, align hiring with the people that generate the revenue first, even if that's what you're good at, which that is what I'm good at. Yeah. I'm good at sales. Yes. Right. Yes. I like to get out there and generate and be the front side of that revenue creation. But if I'm doing that, right, and I'm hiring admin people, then I have to work with admin people so I can do less sales and revenue generating activities. Yeah. Now expenses are rising and revenue's dropping. Yeah. Revenue first. Revenue first. I love it. What do you think, Brittany? I think for me, if you don't have the money and you're trying to figure it out, really start studying leaders. Like you could you mm-hmm. could start yeah. changing your identity and shifting your identity to, yeah. to become a leader and to actually yeah. be able to be that person. And then, because that's something you can do for free yeah. now. Yeah. And then getting in the mindset that this is possible for me. Because I didn't think it was possible for me for a long time. Yeah. But once I actually shifted that identity, which is something you could do yeah. for free. Yeah. So start doing that this sooner the better and then you can become that person and then it'll just feel a lot easier yeah and looking at it that you're not because some people might look at it oh i need to pay this person sixty thousand dollars a year that number just blows people's mind yes think about it okay the first month yeah yeah not sixty thousand yeah it's not sixty thousand it can be a contract yep contractor too okay i have this person for three months we're going to see how it goes i feel more confident because i read these leadership books and i'm changing my identity and now I'm hiring a contractor for three months yes. and they're going to help me with my assistant stuff and they're going to be doing that. Yeah. So. I love that you also brought up the fact that you like study good leaders. Because mm-hmm. one of the best um, examples of this is like church, any religious, any religion, like the leaders, like the pastor, the, you know, the priest, whatever you call the leader of the church. Because guess what? They have to have dozens, if not hundreds of volunteers who get paid nothing. Yeah. So how do, yeah. like, the, I, once, I think it was John Maxwell once said that the best leaders on earth are, 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 are religious leaders. Because mm-hmm. they can get thousands or hundreds, whatever people, to work for free. free. Right? Yeah. And it's not just guilt. Like, I, like, when I think of the best leaders that I've been a part of in, in different, like, church organizations, like, I just, I want to work for them because I love yeah. them so much. I respect them as a leader. And if they're like, hey, can you take care of every Sunday work, taking out the trash? Mm-hmm. 
I will do that, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. when you're a good leader, mm-hmm. people will do work with you just because they want to follow you and because they trust you and they look up to you and they know that long term they're going to benefit. So that was what lead, leads into my my only my tip is we do internships and we like doing that. Like mm-hmm. we work really well. We pay them a little bit now, like interns to keep to stay legal, because mm-hmm. um, you're not technically supposed to have like zero pay interns if they're doing any kind of substantial work. But mm-hmm. that's like IRS rules. But yeah, we'll do internships and we'll we'll try people out. Mm-hmm. And it's not paid a lot in the beginning. We didn't pay them anything. So mm-hmm. sorry, IRS. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we just we and and when you have done any real estate, if you've done two deals, you are a king to the person who's done no deals. Yes. Right? There's that great line in a Minority Report which says, to the in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Yeah. So if you've done any real estate at all, you are a rock star to for the vast majority of people who've done zero deals. Mm-hmm. And if you look at bigger pockets or in any other community, you're going to find people who've done zero. Mm-hmm. And so if you've done one, you've done more. So you can find that person to come work with you mm-hmm. because they want to learn from the one that you did. And so take people under your wing and then everybody wins. Mm-hmm. The interns rise up and learn a bunch of stuff but my whole team my entire i think my entire executive team mm-hmm. every single one of them there's like seven of them i think everyone came from an internship or a trial of some kind and then and when we had the money to pay them we paid them you know that's funny because i want to take that that point across the table bring it back um so many people are so focused on what they make for their work and i don't make anything for my work Nothing. There's no direct correlation. So if I spend 15 hours today, there's no correlation to it, right? I'm working for future gains. So what I do today, I hope will translate into profit, which I will then be paid by in the future. But as an entrepreneur and as a salesperson, right, that was my life. And that made it way easier for me to be an entrepreneur and things because I didn't expect immediate gratification and I didn't expect, and I believe that the people that can work, they do more beyond. It's not transactional. There's way more doors are open to them, but also they build in the skills, the abilities and talents that you need to be paid more. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, they can't put the cart before the horse, meaning how do you get the skills? How do you prove yourself to get paid? And like I tell people, the higher paid people, they get paid higher people uh, paid for because of what they did, yeah. not what they're going to do. And you need to be thinking about that. You need to be thinking about that a lot on that side of the table as like an employee, somebody coming and working, right? But also as a, an entrepreneur, as an employer, you are going to get paid, right, from what you did. Not what you're going to do. It's not that, oh, I'm going to work a lot this month and I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to work a lot this month and I'm hoping that in the future months I'll get paid for what I did. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard switch for people to make because we're so used to a paycheck. I worked this many hours. I need to get paid this exactly now. Mm -hmm. Not more, not less. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's a very transactional based and that stunts growth. Yeah. Even though that's hard to understand that, well, I'm going to work but not get paid for it. Yeah. And you know, I, I hear that. People are like, I'm not going to work if I'm not getting paid. And I'm like, that you just literally outlined my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> like all of it. I sit on boards. Yeah. I do. You know, yeah. it's endless. I don't. I, I work endless hours mm-hmm. to things that I will never get paid for. There won't even be profit yeah. at the end. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, people will call me up and say, we want you to broker this large merger deal. Yeah. Why? Because I already did it, I never got paid. 
we're going to pay you hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to brokerage this merger in these two companies yeah. because you did it and you never got paid. So now we're going to pay you an astronomical yeah. amount to do it. Yeah. And uh, that's when you're talking about, you know, the identity and how you what you become. This happens, you know, we're so incentive driven, but you have to remember that your identity comes after the work has been done. Yeah. It comes later on. You become that person. So trying to understand or think, I'm not that person. It's true. You're not. And that's okay. Yeah. Like you, you got to understand that, that little nagging voice in the back of the head that says, you're not that. You don't have those skills. Everybody's always like, ignore them. And I'm like, no, don't ignore them because that little voice is right. And they're telling you something that's really important. You're not that person. You can't do it. Good point. So I either need to gain those skills, I need to hire somebody else that has, but then you should write all those negative thoughts down mm -hmm. and then say, okay, is this negative thought, meaning is it valid? It doesn't mean that you're not that identity. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't know how to do 90% of everything that goes on in my business. I don't, yeah. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Never will. Never want to, right? But that's okay. It has no correlation to it. So those nagging, in, those nagging voices in your head are telling you how to solve problems. It shouldn't be that they're taking away from you or saying that you can't become that identity or can't be that person. Instead, they're showing you the roadmap mm -hmm. to become the person. Not saying that you have to do it, but just outlining and identifying the people you need around you, the tools, the services, everything that you'll need to achieve whatever it is. There it is. Thanks, guys. Thanks Thank for you. turning on. It's a great Excellent. conversation. Until next time.